Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to Calling Water. I'm Linda, and on this podcast, our aim is to explore a passage of scripture to not only understand what it means, but to discover some things the text might call us to do. In today's episode, Too Wonderful for Me, we're looking at the epilogue to Job's story in Job chapter 42, and what his entire narrative teaches us about the things God gives. Let's get started. Recently, I, like many of you, I'm sure, got pulled onto the bandwagon that is Squid Game. I saw a meme that said, I faced more peer pressure to watch Squid Game than I did to do drugs, and I definitely know what that means. Without giving anything away for those of you who have successfully resisted the pressure, good for you. This show is about a mysterious organization that rounds up 456 random people, all swimming in enormous debt, to play a series of children's playground games where the winner would walk away with 45.6 billion won, which is roughly 38 million US dollars. But the catch is, if you lose in the games, you die, and your death amounts to a sum that is added to the future winner's prize money. And it's it's a very gruesome and twisted story with lots of plot holes, might I add. But the premise itself is a strange one, because the underpinning idea is that one or more of these 456 people will be deserving of the grand prize because of all of the torture and trauma they would endure in the games to outlast the other players. They will have somehow legitimately earned it, or so we're led to believe. And that's the kind of logic we apply to our lives, though on a much smaller and more benign scale. As Christians, we grit our teeth through the hardship in our lives because we're sure that something good awaits us at the end, especially now that we know that our suffering is not always a direct result of sin, we might move on to the idea that God will bless us one day because we have put up with so much, because we carried our cross and have suffered for righteousness sake. And it's great to have hope, but we also have to ask ourselves, What does it mean to be blessed? Now, we can look for the answer to that question as we look at today's text and find out how Job's story ended. For those of you just joining us in this series, let's do a quick recap of Job's story so far. Job was a blameless and upright man, declared so by God himself, who was richly blessed with a large family and abundance. One day in the heavens, a figure called the Satan appears before God, and upon learning about what a righteous man Job was, says to God that Job was only that way because God had given him everything. And thus began the downward spiral of doom for Job. Job lost everything but his life, but he wished bitterly that he had lost that too. But through it all, he never once defied God or cursed God like Satan was convinced Job would. 
but Job also never understood why he was marked for this torment. His friends told him that God had his reasons and that surely there was something in Job's life that was displeasing to God, ergo God was allowing Job to suffer. But Job contended that he was innocent and if he could have a face-to-face -face with God, he would tell him so. And then God appears on the scene speaking out of a storm. And God's response has very little to do with Job other than that it cements the fact that God is so much bigger than Job had known previously. God's questioning helps Job understand his place and to reorient his thinking to that of God's. And after this encounter, Job humbles himself and says he has spoken of things he does not know. He repents his misunderstandings about God, and then God does the following things for Job. Firstly, he chastises Job's friends for misrepresenting God to Job, and he instructs them to offer sacrifices and have Job pray for them. Then chapter 42 verse 10 tells us, God restored Job's fortunes and gave him twice as much as he had before, and he became beloved by friends and family members once more. He and his wife had 10 more children to make up for the 10 they had lost. And he lived a long and prosperous life, seeing his children and his children's children to the fourth generation. But wait a minute, doesn't all this reinforce our normal way of thinking? That if you suffer but remain faithful through it all, won't God eventually bless us with everything we need and more? This is precisely the kind of mentality that God was trying to break in Job and his friends as he spoke in the preceding chapters. Because what they couldn't wrap their minds around was why good people weren't being rewarded and why wicked people weren't being punished. Something was very backwards and it didn't track with their views of God. In fancy terms, we call this retributive justice, where we regard God as some kind of machine that processes human behavior as good or bad, and then rewards or punishes accordingly. But you know, God is not such an automaton. The ways of God are much higher, and as scripture tells us, they're nothing like our ways or our thoughts. So much like Job wasn't given these hardships as some kind of test, he wasn't being rewarded for passing them. What God gave to Job in the end wasn't a prize for making it through all the rounds of his suffering and remaining faithful. So many times when we're taught the story of Job, we start out with chapters one and two, and then we fast forward to this epilogue in chapter 42 to say that if we persevere through our trials, God will indeed bless us. However, Job's blessings were not simply in all those things he received from God. 
And I don't mean to minimize that because he must have been overjoyed to have a full house again, and to have all the creature comforts he used to have and more. But Job's real blessings came before all those things were restored to him. He was blessed the minute he heard God's voice, repented, and realigned himself with God. Now we read in the last episode the passage from Job chapter forty-two, which was Job's final response to God, and I'd like for us to hear it again. He says in verses two through six, "I know that you can do all things; no purpose of yours can be thwarted." You asked, "Who is this that obscures my plans without knowledge?" Surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. You said, "Listen now, and I will speak. I will question you, and you shall answer me." My ears have heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. This is a complete turnaround from Job's rhetoric in the chapters that came before. When he was talking with his friends, he was ready to state his case to God. He knew what he wanted to say. He knew the questions he wanted to ask, nay, demand of God. But once God speaks, all he can do is hang his head in shame. He is humbled and silenced, and all he can do is repent. And this doesn't mean that Job was repenting for some hidden sin in his life. Job was blameless and upright, no question. But here, to repent means to change course, to turn from a direction one was previously going on. Job. Once thought that he knew everything there was to know about God and how God operated, but upon hearing God speak of all of the intricacies of creation that Job can claim no ownership of, he changes his worldview. Before he questioned God's justice, but now he knows that God is in fact just, but. Job can't appreciate the depths of everything the Lord governs and watches over, and this is when he is blessed—the moment he becomes in tune with the will of God. Jesus Himself showed us various forms of blessings in Matthew chapter five. He taught, "Blessed are the poor in spirit, those who mourn, the meek." Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers, those who are persecuted because of righteousness, and the argument can be made that Job was all of these things. But according to the New Testament, what does such a blessed person receive? Good health, financial stability? No, Jesus tells us. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. They will see God. They will be called children of God. Now, Job wasn't faithful because he thought that by being so, he would somehow be given his family and all his stuff back. He feared God without 
any kind of assurance that things would turn out okay. And God giving back to Job all that he used to have and more doesn't mean that it was because Job was faithful. It's it's because God is faithful. So friends, I invite you to reflect on that this week. And we pray for all kinds of blessings from God in our lives. But the first and only step for us is to reorient our view of blessings with God's view of blessings. There is this beautiful song by Laura Story that puts it this way. We pray for blessings. We pray for peace, comfort for family, protection while we sleep. We pray for healing, for prosperity. We pray for your mighty hand to ease our suffering. All the while, you hear each spoken need, yet love us way too much to give us lesser things. Because what if your blessings came through raindrops? What if your healing comes through tears? What if a thousand sleepless nights are what it takes to know you're near? What if trials of this life are your mercies in disguise? Now, I will not presume to say that heartbreak, illness, death, and loss are all somehow forms of blessings. They're not. They are categorically bad things. But even in the midst of our suffering and challenges, we can hold on to these two truths. First, you are blessed. You are blessed simply because God created you and loves you. And even though this world is filled with pain and sorrow, trust that God wants good things for you. Not because you deserve it and not in proportion to the amount you have suffered, but just because God is good that way. But sometimes it takes time for these good things to happen. Job's suffering came all at once, but his blessings came over time. It's not like his children were just magically poofed into existence. It would have taken 10 years at least for his 10 children to be born to him and his wife. So don't become fixated on some grand blessing you're waiting on from God. Take heart in knowing that You are already blessed today and every day. And second, in order to stay blessed, you must stay aligned with God's will. Submitting to God's will doesn't mean you try to become a perfect Christian who does everything right, mostly because uh, that doesn't exist. The book of Job, like the Psalms, invites us to vent to take our anger, grief, resentment, and to take them all to God, to ask God why things are happening as they are, because God never once rebukes Job for doing just that. So yeah, talk to God because God listens, but then don't forget to listen back. Because it's only when you hear God's voice and then reorient yourself to God that true change happens. We are blessed when we choose to follow God 
regardless of our circumstances. And whether or not God gives us additional blessings is completely up to God. But we can trust that whatever God does or doesn't give us are all measures of his great love and faithfulness toward us. Let's pray. God, so many times we have prayed to you for various kinds of blessings, for us to be successful, for us to find suitable partners, for us to win in other ways. And we know that you are good and you hear every prayer big and small, but how badly we've been missing the point all along. We ask for things thinking that we have suffered enough and have been patient long enough, but we rarely seek out your will and listen for your voice. So like Job, we repent in dust and ashes for speaking of things that were too wonderful for us to understand. And we humbly submit ourselves to you, trusting in your plans for us. I'm trusting that they are good, even if we cannot see it yet. You are and always have been too wonderful to us. Thank you for blessing us and loving us more than we could ever know. In Jesus' name, amen.